Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. Today's episode features The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand, read by Crystal. This novel is intended for teens, however, it may contain language or themes that some readers may find offensive. Recording is made with permission of Harper Teen. Chapter One. The first thing you should probably know is that Yvonne Worthington Chase was dead. It was all over the news when it happened. The entertainment shows, the newspapers and magazines, even the trashy tabloids. A sudden tragedy. That's how the media described it, because she was only 40-something when it happened. Plus, Yvonne was famous, so her death was considered a much bigger deal than an ordinary person's. Yvonne was a fashion stylist. Anybody who was like anybody in Hollywood hired her to make sure that they were always looking fabulous. She had an uncanny ability to match the right item to the right person and situation, a way of finding that perfect gown to wear on the red carpet of the Golden Globes, or the correct shoes for that Vogue photo shoot on Zuma Beach, or the most infallible bag to take to lunch in Beverly Hills. Her obituary claimed that she died after complications from foot surgery because her feet were screwed up from all the years she spent in stilettos. A believable story. But the truth is, Yvonne died getting your run-of-the-mill plastic surgery, which involved a breast lift, neck lift, and butt lift. It was during the neck lift that things went horribly wrong. The obituary went on to state that Yvonne was survived by her husband, the well-respected film director Gideon Chase, and her 16-year-old stepdaughter, Holly. That's me, Holly Chase. I didn't cry at Yvonne's funeral. She wouldn't have wanted an emotional display. The whole time, I wore a pair of Bulgari Flora sunglasses, which hid my eyes and took up most of my face. These had belonged to Yvonne, actually. A huge perk of Yvonne dying was that I finally got to raid her closet. And when it was all over, I took my phone out of my purse and snapped a selfie in the graveyard with my amazing new sunglasses and posted it for all my followers to see. I was a bad person back then. Seriously, I was. I would have backstabbed even my supposed best friends if I thought I could squeeze any attention out of it. I mocked everyone who I perceived as having even the slightest imperfection, that geeky girl in second period who clearly had no idea what the word antiperspirant meant, that boy in the cafeteria with the disgusting mole on his cheek, that cheerleader who really needed to do something about the hideous fat roll poking out from under her bra. I gossiped and spread rumors like it was going out of style. I mean, I knew I was being mean. I didn't care. All I wanted was to be like Yvonne. Rich, fashionable, famous. I already had 50,000 followers, and that was only the beginning. Eventually, I just knew it. Everyone was going to know my name. So that was me, Holly Evangeline Chase, 16, almost 17 years old, 5 foot 7, 115 pounds, brown eyes, blonde hair, killer fashion sense, and a perfectly horrible human being. That's all you need to know about me for now, outside of the fact 
that, like I mentioned, Yvonne was dead. And she'd been dead almost exactly seven months the night the story truly begins. The night everything changed. Christmas Eve. I hated Christmas back then. Like, really hated it. I had my reasons, but I won't go into those just yet. That particular Christmas Eve, I'd spent the afternoon at a holiday runway show for Calvin Klein, which had given me a mega headache from all the bright lights and the fake snow and the cheerful exclamations of Merry Christmas that seemed to be coming at me from every direction. I'd worn this amazing pair of lipstick red Charlotte Olympia shoes, but by five o'clock they felt like they were two sizes too tight. So when I got home that night, I was in a mood, and I did what I usually did. I took it out on the housekeeper. Why is it so hot in here? I complained as she served me dinner. Hot? She repeated in that voice she used when she was trying to act like she didn't understand my English. She put a plate in front of me, risotto or something. It smelled amazing. One thing I could say for Elena, the woman could cook. I just got home and it's like over 70 in here, I said. It's practically balmy. I turned on the heat today. It was chilly. But I haven't been here all day, I pointed out. So why would you turn the heat on? We stared at each other for a few long seconds. It was chilly, she said again. I had her right where I wanted her. Oh, so you turned on the heat for you? I said crisply. You think my dad wants to pay an astronomical heating bill to keep you all cozy and warm? I knew perfectly well that my dad would have no problem paying any amount of heating bill. But for me, that wasn't the point. The point was that while my dad was out of town, and he was, like, always out of town, I was in charge, and Elena was not. In my opinion, she took far too many liberties around the house. She needed to be put in her place. It's like you're basically stealing from us, I said. I'm very sorry, miss. She looked down at where her hands were clasped together in front of her. She had the worst hands, small and red and chapped. Maybe I should require her to wear gloves, I thought. Then she'd be warmer, too, and I wouldn't have to look at those hands every day. <sighs> Whatevs, I said with a roll of my eyes. I took a tentative bite of the risotto, and it was delicious. So I took three more quick bites and then pushed my plate away. And what is this stuff, anyway? This isn't locale, obviously. Do you want me to get fat? Is that it? No, Elena said steadily. I know but I thought this is a special meal for a special night. A special night, I repeated. What special night? Christmas Eve, and I made plenty for you to warm up for yourself tomorrow. I stared at her, my mouth opening in disbelief. Wait, tomorrow? I'm supposed to eat this tomorrow? Where are you going to be? I was going to spend the day with my daughter. And who gave you the day off? It's Christmas. She was looking at her hands again. So what if it's Christmas? I gasped, completely outraged. I'm all alone here, and my dad pays you to attend to me. We didn't discuss you having Christmas off. But your father said, I'm going to expect you to be here tomorrow. My headache pounded more fiercely than ever. I hated having to deal with the hired help. And if you're not here in the morning on time, then maybe I'll have to find someone else to fill your position. Someone who will take this job seriously. She glanced up, her jaw tightening her eyes bright with all that she wanted to say to me. But of course, 
She wouldn't dare. I almost wish she would. It'd been a while since I'd gotten someone fired. But then, who would make my dinner tomorrow? It'd be too much of a pain to get someone else on short notice, on Christmas Day no less. Tomorrow, I want salmon for dinner, with lemon, maybe some asparagus, I informed her like the matter was settled, and pancakes for breakfast, and freshly squeezed orange juice. She nodded stiffly. All right. She took the plate of risotto. Can I get you anything else? No, I said. I'm going to bed. She hurried back to the kitchen. I'd been hard on her. I knew I had, but I didn't feel bad about it. If you push people, Yvonne always used to say, then sooner or later, they'll start to push themselves. She'd be better for it, I thought. She'd work harder. That took care of that, I thought with some satisfaction. And then I took a sleeping pill and went to bed. I was completely out, like dead to the world, until a noise woke me in the middle of the night. It was loud, like a giant fist pounding against a door. Bang! 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 And then silence. Dad? I called, although I knew he was still on location in New Zealand or New York or somewhere. Dad? Elena? No answer. I checked my phone. The time was exactly midnight. No text or emails. No other sounds in the house. I was, as usual, alone. I was about to slide my sleep mask back into place when something in the corner of the dark room caught my eye. A shadow. A shadow that became my stepmother, standing at the foot of my bed. Wondering what happens next? Check out The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand, available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org.